back everybody to another episode of the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert podcast. I am not your host, James Wong. I am, of course, Ronald McLaughlin, tech writer for Cycling Tips. And fear not, the other nerds, they're alive and well. All is, all is good. They've asked me to fill in for this week's episode because this is Deep Dive Week. And this week, our subject for deep diving is training. Specifically, Trainer Road's new adaptive training. Now, Trainer Road has always been about looking at the science and providing training plans all about making the athlete faster. And recently, they announced their adaptive training in beta phase. Now, adaptive training uses machine learning, science-based coaching principles, and Trainer Road's millions of, of training files and, and years of data to adjust training to give the individual what Trainer Road reckon is the right workout every time. So I guess, now that I think about it, Dylan Urge maybe just thought it would be quite fun to have a coach and someone who enjoys the process of coaching speak to the people who are perhaps going to make coaching obsolete if if this new machine learning is as good as it as it sounds well we'll not get into that now we we do touch on that later in the episode so i'll not spoil the answer on that but yeah the i spoke to nate pearson co-founder and ceo of trainer road to get an insight into what exactly adaptive training is how it knows what is the right workout on the right day and answer a few questions of my own along the way so without further ado let's hear from nate and yeah, get some more information on what this adaptive training is all about. Nate Pearson from Trainer Road, welcome to the Nerd Alert podcast. Thank you for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, uh, excited to talk to you about adaptive training, which is um, a new service, would you say, or a new um, from, from Trainer Road that you, you announced just um, at the end of February there? Yes, it's like an extension of our core product. Uh, yeah, that's that's a great great way to think about it. All right, and um, uh, we should say it's still in beta form, and is is the um, sign up for beta closed now, or is it still open? Just before we get started. Yeah, so it's a closed beta at the moment, and we're adding mm, 100, 200 people a week. And then as we, it's a function of we need to make sure there's no bugs, there's no confusion, and there's no performance issues. So as we fix those things, we add more and more people in, and then eventually uh, it'll be an open beta, and then it'll be just as part of the regular product of Trainer Road. So I suppose the best place to start would be, um, and I think you're the best qualified here to, to explain this, what exactly is adaptive training? I'm not even going to make a go with it. Yeah, so adaptive training, it's all about what can we do to make a cyclist faster? The product before we had, we have the workouts and training plans and we guide people through base build specialty and all of that. But what we saw is life's a bell curve, right? So you can build products for people that kind of live in that bell curve, but there's all this stuff outside for physiology, age. Um, there's a lot of research that's not around women in training. What can we do to improve that? And then also when you're training, life happens. So you might miss a workout or you might get sick. You might have vacation. Your goals might change. And what we wanted to do is build a system that adapts to your performance and your goals. So the idea of adaptive training is every time you do a workout, 
we look at that and we could potentially change your training plan in the future. Every time you put on vacation, that changes something. And then as we bring in more and more data outside, HRV, sleep tracking, steps, menstrual cycle, that then would impact your training. So the idea is that we can kind of optimize it. And the, the cool part is it's not just for you, but because we're doing this at this at scale, we can learn through machine learning and AI. And machine learning is a subset of AI, and we can explain that. We can learn that maybe for, you know, 60 plus year old men, this is kind of the initial best practice for them. We can put you into that cohort and then we can then learn your specific performance and then try to improve that. So this is all kind of things that we couldn't do previously. Um, and uh, I don't, I really like our, our data set and, and the, the information we have, but the whole idea is, is changing the performance or changing the training plan based on what you've done for your goals in the future. So will adaptive training eventually when, it, when it's fully ruled out, will it sort of replace all training plans and it just works off this library of, of sessions and, and adapt your training on, on, on a daily basis, is it? Or as often as required to ensure, I guess the idea is to ensure that you're training optimally each day. Exactly. Um, so the amount of times that it could change is, ma- is based on the input. And at least every day we're checking, but it could be more based on what you do and what happens. But the idea, yes, is that it basically we want training plans to be fluid we want to, we, we do a cool thing that we estimate your FTP based on, uh, this part isn't released yet in closed beta, but what your calendar's on there and what we think is what you can do, we estimate what your FTP is going to be, and then we can then change that. So what we want to do is give you the best workouts all the time for the highest FTP increase or some other thing. Because, you know, if you're a crit racer, it might not be FTP as your goal. It might be repeatability, one minute repeats or something like that. But um, the idea, yeah, is to have still that kind of base build specialty, a, a periodized system, but have the whole system inside be much more fluid and flexible based on your life and your performance. So how does, how does the machine learning or the AI, how does it know which session is right on, on any given day? Yeah, so that's, that's a very good question. The way to think about this is there's not like just one big AI that makes all the decisions. It is a chained link of systems of machine learning, like very specialized systems to try to do things that are better than a human can do. For instance, one of those is to analyze your workout in oh, better or faster than a human is to analyze your workout and kind of categorize it to say, hey, did, did you do this workout as prescribed? Did you struggle in it? Did you do it over target? And then combine that with qualitative feedback, like how you felt in the ride um, to then input into another system in the future. So for picking the best workout, it's a mix between coaching principles. Um, we have this thing like a level system, meaning we want people to still be progressive in their workouts, because as you, you probably know, like a VO2, all VO2 max workouts aren't the same. Mm-hmm. So based on your performance in a VO2 max workout and your, what we read in the workout and your qualitative response, how you felt in the workout, we can then make a better prediction of what your next VO2 max workout should be based on when it's on your, on your calendar. For instance, if it's one week away, we can step you up a certain amount and predict that, Hey, this is the right progression for you. But if you don't have a VO2 max workout for three weeks, it's not going to be the same, right? Because, uh, VO2 max will fade 
power of Utamax will fade in those three weeks if you don't train that that energy system. I mean, relative, there's all these caveats, right? That's where it gets really complex and why we use machine learning because, well, if I do like repeats at 102 and they're long, that has a VO2max input to it. And then will that then improve where I can do a VO2max at like 120 in the future? Or maybe I can't even do 120. I can only do 118 repeats based on my FTP. And we want to learn all that kind of thing and, and uh, prescribe that individually to each person so that they get the best workout that they can at the right time. It's definitely a, sounds like it's going to be complex as you know, I know trainer road are, are known for, you know, looking at the science and, and, and looking at studies and, and implementing proven theories and in, into the training plans. But I assume that a lot of this data that you're, that you're building the adaptive training on must come from trainer road users for however number many of, of years, I'm guessing. Yeah, I just looked, we have 104 million um, workouts in our library or in our, li in our, like our, that we've pulled in from users. And what's really cool about our data set is that when people sync the data, we get their history. So before they use trainer road, we get the time that they were using trainer road. And for some people, when they come back and forth, we also get this time where maybe in the summer they suspended, they only ride outside and then they ride inside. And a lot of people, you know, they do half and half, some outside, some inside. Some people structured, some people with private coaches. What we have, we end up as having a very varied data set. And what we can do is look at that data set. And uh, with machine learning, you can do what's called structured learning. So you can say, hey, I want the largest, say, FTP increase. And what you can do is you can go back in time and you can say, okay, let's look at this data set and train on it, meaning we're going to give this data. And what things increase the FTP in that time? And then what you do is you then validate it over another piece of data, which, which we have, and, so, and you can get like a probability of like, how good is this? Once you have that, you can apply it to people in the future. And then you, what you do is you keep adding, um, they're called features. So a way to, like a data point, one data point might be your age. Another might be training the last six weeks. Another one would be your weight. We have over 100 features that we built into our FTP prediction for that. So if you build all of that stuff in, the next step is what other inputs can you put, in, put into the system to better understand what makes you as an individual or you as a cohort, like an age range or something like that, or training history, because those are two different things completely, will make you faster. So just uh, thinking about all those inputs there, it seems to me like this is almost like the first step and when when i'm looking at athletes nowadays and you know I, I i do a bit of coaching as well and there's so much data out there there's so many metrics out there you've got everything from you know power which has become a basic now heart rate cadence and now we're going to you know uh, core body temperature and motion analysis and cda and and everything is is it just seems to be every time you click onto the internet you've got some new form of device to measure some new metric is adaptive training you know while at the moment it's it's adapting training plans for athletes and and, and sort of acting as as a a trainer so to speak is it almost like this huge system that in the future can be pulling in all this different data and and sort of understanding it better than any human possibly could because i know for myself at the moment there's just so much data there that gets very difficult to to track everything and you have to sort of pick out what is relevant and what's not relevant ronan that's exactly right and that's why the machine learning approach is the one that we've chosen so for instance hrv 
HRV, there's you could there's HRV in a workout. There's HRV after um warm-up. There's HRV at the end of the workout. There's HRV actually, you can do these cool metrics in an aerobic interval. But there's also the kind of the popular one is HRV in the morning or right before you wake up. And how does that impact heart rate variability for what I'm talking about? And it can it can to show you if you're uh, sympathetic or parasympathetic, like pretty much your ready state. Now, there's mixed research on HRV and some showing that there's huge impact and some showing there's, there's not much or no impact. What we want to do is take in HRV data and then tie it to performance. And like you said, does it have an impact or not? Maybe on uh, some people it does, some people it doesn't. Maybe it has an impact on everyone. We're not really sure, but the idea to be able to pull it in and let the machine learning kind of figure it out or tease that information out is super exciting. Um, another one that I think is like, you know, you have 2000 step days normally, and then you do a 20,000 step day. Should that impact your next day's training? What if you sleep less than normal? Does that impact that day? Or is that like an impact three days down the line? And how much of an impact is that? Should you bet just back off the workout? Should you do a completely different workout? Should you take a rest day? Like those are the, all those kind of questions that's extremely hard to answer um, for a human, especially too, if you're a 22 year old man or woman versus a 65 year old man or woman, what's the difference if you sleep three less hours? Uh, and then the big question too, that, that we, um, we are building is menstrual cycle tracking. So if you're a woman, based on where your phase is, um, your hormones could be more or less like a man, but it also depends on what uh, birth control you're on. If you're on birth control, or if uh, you've had menopause or not, there's, there's like all this kind of information. And like you said, it can get so big in somebody's head that it's hard to, it can take a lifetime to learn all these things. And a great coach might have, I don't know, a really great coach, 30 athletes in their life, right? 40 that they really get into and really know. And we'd like to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of athletes that we can analyze all at once and kind of learn that sort of thing for the future. And two, this isn't going to replace coaches at all. Well, our goal is to make it so that we can pick workouts better than a human, but coaches still have skills, accountability, motivation, sounding board, race tactics, emotional support. I see this as more of a augmentation to coaching. So, um, this is, this is, I'm going off script here. This is my personal opinion. If you're a coach and you just give someone a stock training plan, that's not really a coach, right? Coaches have so much more input and back and forth and talking to somebody. And I think that's really where machine learning AI isn't going to beat that ever. I mean, if they do, like the whole world's changed. We're all out of jobs. We don't need to do this interview, right? <laughs> Coaching's the last of our worries then, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's like Terminator. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, no, you're, you're, you're so right. Like, and, and, you know, the training that I prescribe for the, the few athletes that I coach now, it's, you, you, I think most people would be surprised how basic the prescription is. It's literally just like three or four lines on training peaks and or, or whatever platform we're using. And uh, the the bulk of the work is in WhatsApp or phone calls or chatting. Yes. That, that, that's where the coaching work is done. The training plan is just, you know, it's sometimes I feel guilty about how basic it is, but it doesn't need to be any more than that. And that sort of gets to my my personal coaching philosophy and that. Uh, and, and it sort of brings me to a question about uh, adaptive training and that I'm a big believer in, you know, saving your matches for race day, yes. saving, you've only got so many matches in a, in a, in a year and 
you know, uh, keeping it, keeping everything pretty simple in training, always erring on the, on the lower end of, you know, your targets that you're, you're going to get the same stimulus from sitting at the upper range of a target as you will from a lower range. You just get less fatigue, meaning you can train better the following day. And what I sort of wanted to ask you about adaptive training was, is this all based around, or does it really require quite a lot of ramp testing and, and peak performances to feed it the data that the model needs to understand how your progression is going? Yeah. So there's two parts of that. One is we still have the ramp test, which is, it is a hard effort, but it's less fatiguing long-term because it's really only mm, four minutes of extremely hard work. The rest is not so hard. Um, but our goal is to make it so that you don't have to ramp test in the future. We, we haven't gotten there yet, but we think we can automatically adjust your, your FTP or, you know, where you are in your levels for training, which I haven't described the level system yet, but to do that without testing. Cause I don't think anyone in the world loves testing. I mean, there's like 10 people, right. Who likes to like, I just want to test. Well, um, actually I'm getting a bit worried about that. Cause I feel like everybody wants to test nowadays and, and everybody seems to be training to become better 20 minute testers. Yeah, that's, that's true. And that's not always your performance outcome goal that you want, right. Mm. Is a 20 minute power output. It's what's interesting too, is you can be the crit racing is such, such a good example is you can be a way better crit racer and not increase your 20 minute power just by being really good at 15 second anaerob anaerobic repeats, if that's the type of racing you need to do. So there's that part. And then the, what you, you, you hit the, the, the nail on the head of saying that if you have these all out capacitive efforts all the time, it leads to burnout, fatigue. Um, you pretty much like you, you want to like stop the sport, right? You're like, I'm going to do something easy, like CrossFit. Just kidding. Sorry, CrossFitters. Um, but <laughs> they're so easy to pick on. I love you, CrossFit. Um, the, I'm just going to get hate mail for that. We should probably edit that. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, what, uh, what we do is, you know, that's when we get that qualitative response. One, we can detect if someone struggles in a workout, but also they, at the end of the workout, they tell us how hard it was. And if you're saying that something was all out, we take that into consideration and adjust your training in the future uh, appropriately. So you don't get pinned against the wall all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And on, on that, it's, I suppose it's, um, you're, you're relying on the athlete there to give, um, you know, good, good feedback and, or accurate feedback, I should say. And that's the same for a coach as well. You're relying yeah. on the feedback from, from the athlete, but can, can adaptive training, maybe not at the moment, but is there plans that it will in future be able to learn each athlete on an individual level, like their own recovery ability their you know their own sort of uh and we talked about hrv earlier but you know heart rate response within within set workouts and yeah exactly you know, ramp rate what what works best for each individual athlete or is it sort of a a general approach no that's exactly uh so what you do is you start with a general model so when somebody signs up and then you can train an individual model to that person and what you're talking about too is like it's very interesting. We don't have this completely nailed yet at all, but the idea of how do you measure recovery, right? That's the Holy grail, right? Everybody's like, if you could really measure recovery, that could totally unlock, like to optimize people's training. And that's what we want to do is continue to optimize it. It will never be optimal though. And we are, um, actually contracting with researchers to have them be part like to regular meet with our, uh, machine learning team to be able to help define more of those metrics. But for instance, what you talked about, we could look at 
we don't, we don't have these written, but these are kind of like plan heart rate recovery after an interval. What is the rate that it can go down? Like how quickly does it recover between intervals? Um, and that all takes into account the, how hard that interval is. What is the max heart rate that you get or the heart rate at that wattage? And now the hard part for humans are, and for machine learning, you could be fatigued, you could have be caffeinated, or it could be too easy for you, right? Those are all, those are two reasons that could be down and the caffeine could be too high. That's mm -hmm. really tough. The, the, the ability, like how fast does your heart rate go up in an interval? That can measure how fresh you are or how fit you are, right? And so all, there's all these things that that's just in a workout. Then we talked about heart rate in it. There's a DF, uh, oh, I forgot the name of DFA alpha one, I forget, but there's all these things that you can do to try to measure recovery. It's a complex system, but what we wanna do is have, the, have that into machine learning and then tie that to the performance and the qualitative feedback of how they feel. And you're right, like if, if, I, if you prescribe VO2 max intervals for me and I tell you they were easy, you're probably gonna give me a harder workout, right? I was like, oh, it was no big deal at all. Um, but if you saw my heart rate was at like 200 beats per minute, you're like, you're a liar. I'm, yeah. not, gonna, I'm not gonna trust that. And you can make your own decisions on top of that. Hmm. Or, or at very least you'd be saying, well, well it was easy or not, we're getting, we're getting that stroke volume training that we, that we want from that VO2 session, so we'll leave it as it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. For sure. And, and just on, on that, I suppose, you know, my limited experience with, um, I don't even know if it is AI or machine learning, or, but you, you, you can get these programs on head units and that that tell you your training impact and you know, you'll take 28 hours to recover from this interval or this session, or you need X amount of days before you can train properly again. You know, at, at, at some point, especially for competitive athletes, you have to push the boundaries a bit further than maybe is correct. But you know, I'm thinking about the second last day of the Tour de France. Everybody's, if, if they're all working with adaptive training, it's going to be screaming at them, you need to rest. Uh, every every uh, automated system is going to be telling them you need to rest. But, you know, really it's when uh, Pogaccia needs to pull out his best performance ever and, and win the time trial to win the overall. So... How does it account for, you know, building on that progression and, and, and ramping up training when, when, when a coach would be able to say, here, look, I know this is difficult for you today. I know this interval session is going to be hard, but we need to do this because it's going to lead to this progression. Yeah. Can adaptive training do that as well? You're wondering of like, how can you prescribe functional overreaching? Because that's a very it's a tricky thing to do. Because uh, mm -hmm. if you do actual overreaching, you're in trouble. And I'd argue in your analogy too, that no coach would prescribe the Tour de France as training. A race is a little different than actual training. Um, so in, in trainer road, if you had a stage race or something, that would be an A race and we try to peak you. Um, so have a, you know, build you up specific fitness and then taper you in the end. And then during the race, uh, that would be up to you to say, this should be an easy day. This should be a hard day. You know, this is the, this is the time trial that I need to have the most fitness or recovery for. That's, that's another great thing that a coach could help you in a race, mm -hmm. really tease out how you should do the tactics over that race and output that power. We would not do that. But building up to it, we totally would do that. And the neat thing about it is, so if you want to increase um, what our FTP prediction shows, this system, it's a couple of things. One, it prescribes, it shows different FTP increases for different volumes of plans for different people. So it's not just high volume for everyone. 
But for some people, it says you'll improve more if you do a mid or low volume, which we think is really interesting. And the way that it's built too is there's a little bit of a black box nature of it. We don't know everything, but we do know some weightings of features. And an interesting thing is, is one of the, it's kind of sad, but one of the biggest limiters of how much you can increase is actually your, your FTP and your weight or your power to weight. And then that gets taken into account. And then that, uh, takes into account your training history. And then we can look at your training history and do the, we can see based on people, what is the correct increase, but there's people like you Ronan, where we probably don't have enough data. Like we don't have a hundred thousand world tour athletes in our system, but for people that are 20 to 70, that are between cat five and cat one, all the way up to national champions, we have lots of those people. But the, the world tour people, we don't have as, 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 as many. And, and, you know, hopefully we can get to that point one day where we can make systems for people like you, but we're not. And if you're, well, if you're going for I, the world ever seen record, I don't suggest, um, like it, it, it probably won't be optimal for you right now. I, I would, I would say, I would say for everybody else, for myself, what I did for training was, was not optimal. Uh, and I would actually say, no, it wasn't optimal for me, but I really enjoyed it and it, it, it worked. And for me, that's one of the most important things is that it's enjoyable because then it becomes sustainable. Um, and yeah. when you can sustain training uh, over a longer period of time, that that's when you really reap the re rewards. Um, I, I was never world tour now, but I can I can give you at least ten or eleven years worth of power data uh, for every. I think pretty much every single ride, so we can we can feed that in if, if you like and, and see if oh cool see if it helps. yes for sure. Uh, you mentioned the levels system a few times. Yes, can you maybe just explain what exactly that is? Yeah. So previously, our system, what we did is uh, we based workouts off of a percentage FTP. So you do a ramp test, and then based on that, we get your FTP. And then the workouts would be in, in that and they wouldn't change. So what we've done is we've broken out sprint anaerobic VO2 max threshold, uh, sweet spot, tempo and endurance into their own kind of, uh, their own training zones. And we have workouts in each one of those. And then what happens is after you, the ramp test, we assign you, let's say, uh, the, each one of these, uh, training zones are one through 10 for levels. We might start everyone off at a level four. And then as you do workouts and based on the performance and your qualitative feedback, we then learn kind of, we can adjust you inside of that. So if you're really good at threshold, but really poor at VO2 max, our system will learn that and put you at the appropriate uh, level inside of those training zones. And then on top of that, depending on what kind of cyclist you are, we can then increase the appropriate level. So for instance, if you're a, um, if you're a triathlete, you don't need a sprint, right? Uh, but you're going to have really big, probably 40 K time or um, threshold power or endurance. If you're like an Ironman athlete and we can work on those, uh, this is really cool because one, it doesn't require testing. Like you don't have to test your whole profile to learn this system. Every workout is kind of a test. And then we'll learn inside of there. And then once we have more data on you, it kind of stays with you and then adjusts a little bit. Um, and then testing itself is it's so hard to, for a test to be correct, you have to pace correctly. And if you know how to pace correctly, 
why take the test at all? Because you kind of have to guess what your result was going to be before you started. Um, because if you have this kind of like you start out too hard and then you fade or you start easy and you go up, um, a subtle smile, kind of like a little dip, that's fine. But, uh, you kind of have to know what the result is and those can be extremely draining and, uh, really hard mentally. So if your VO2 max workouts are maybe a, a three or four out of five, that's good. We can learn from that. We can adjust and then move you inside of that, of that level. And if you put on the, the feedback to say this was really tough, it, the adaptive training is then going to adapt the next, is it, is it the immediate next session or the next session for the same stimulus target? And I suppose, you know, the question I would have is what if it was just simply an off day? You know, you actually yeah. are fine to train the next day again, but you just had a bad day. Yeah. So it, it depends. And there are inside when we detect that you struggled with a workout or that you had a really hard day, it's not, there's a reason of why that you had that hard day. There's intensity, but there's also, you know, I feel fatigued from training. I didn't sleep well. I'm sick. Um, I wasn't, I had like emotional stress. Like there's all these kind of reasons that you can put in, or you can write it in yourself. And then that then also inputs into it. So it, it depends on the reason, cause you're absolutely right. It depends on the reason. And sometimes the next week, so even if you had an off day, we probably wouldn't push you forward. Right. So you were supposed to do two or, um, five by two minutes at 120% for VO two max. Well, we probably wouldn't push you to five by two fifteen the next week. If you had an off day and you didn't actually complete the workout, right. We probably want to keep you somewhere inside of that progression or a different type of VO two max interval. That was very similar. Um, uh, inside of that. And there's one other cool thing that I should tell you is how we, those levels. So how we level workouts between one and 10, we, we did two things is we used our failure rate data. So we used machine learning to calculate or to categorize people's workouts. And we could figure out if some people who had hard issues with workouts and people who passed them and workouts all have their own individual failure rate. And then what we did is we built a, like an algorithm to try to like how we how we thought that this system should be built. And we ended up where the two lined up at the end. So the difficulty between one and 10 was a mix between kind of human algorithm and what machine learning learned from failure rates in order to figure out what, like, what is the difference between uh, 30 seconds on 30 seconds off repeats between 30 seconds on 20 seconds off how much of a difficulty difference is between those two. And that's, as a coach, it's hard to understand that, right? But we've quantified that. And then we can give that to people and we can find out too. This is what we're hoping to learn. We don't have this yet, but maybe a 20 year old can increase uh, one level per week where a 60 year old might be able to increase 0.25 because recovery rates are different. Also your training history, if you've trained for 10 years and you're at five Watts per kilo, I bet your increase is going to be a lot smaller than someone who's just started. Uh, they're two Watts per kilo. They've never cycled before. They're just going to have to be like bang, bang, bang and go up. But the question is now, how can we, how can we serve the correct workouts for the correct person at the right rate of increase? Kind of to your earlier question too. Um, we don't have that question completely answered, but we're, we think we're going to get the data as we get through more of the, our closed beta gets bigger 
we get more people into it and we can look at it, feed it into the system and improve those, those individual level ramp rates. I'm going so I'm, deep. I'm sorry for everybody. Uh, I was told not fault. to go too deep, but I'm like, but you just ask the questions and I can't help myself. Yeah, that, that's definitely my fault then. Um, <laughs> one last thing on, on the levels topic then, um, you know, it, it can adapt, adapt a session up or down. Yeah. Can it actually change or scrap a session altogether and say, you know, don't do a VO2 session, do a recovery ride instead and completely change what's planned for a day? Yeah, that is, um, we have a feature that we're building that's more of a, like we need a input in order to be able to do that. And it could be um, qualitative of, uh, you say, I just feel horrible today, right? If you feel horrible, you wake up, you kind of know, right? My motivation mm -hmm. is zero. Um, you, we you've are just building been the describing me for the past 10 days since the everything exactly, right? Exactly right. horrible, wake up, don't wanna, don't have the motivation. <laughs> Exactly. I slept poorly, all that sort of stuff um, that is being built, but it's not built yet. But that's an incredibly important part we do have is the ability that if they want to do it, they can just switch to recovery ride. And we have those categorized in our system now. And then the plan adjusts after the fact. So okay. there's a little bit of athlete responsibility at the moment, but athletes need to know that it's OK to take an easy day or a day off. But now you have the confidence that my plan will ad ad adjust and adapt. So you don't, because before it would happen, you take a day off and the next week is harder. Like you don't want that. You're like get punished <laughs> for taking a day off. Now, based on how long it's been, it could either be the same. It might even be a little bit easier because, depending on how long it's been since you've worked out. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's, a, that, that's a pretty neat feature that, you know, as you say, you take a week, a day off previously because you're you know, just exhausted or can't do the session for whatever reason, then all of a sudden the next session you're jumping into is, is at that high level again. And you're, you're always playing catch up then. Like it's a, you're on a hiding to nothing as, as we say. Um, it's a great way to quit a training plan, right? Is when you're always <laughs> getting pushed too hard for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a great way to make a fun sport less fun. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. There's that level of you do the workout and it's hard, but you could have done a little more. Right. And you're like, I could have done one more set. And that's really good. And there is too a time and place for that kind of breakthrough workout with correct recovery. Um, but if you kind of always have those, not, not every day, not all the week. Right. But some of those, it was hard, but I could do a little bit more combined with some aerobic rides, get to watch, especially where a lot of indoors, you get to watch TV during the aerobic rides. Training can be pretty enjoyable. Like you can watch all the shows and you can get mm -hmm. faster. You change your body comp. Uh, it's, it's super fun. Certainly. Um, is there any, you know, we talked earlier about all of this different, uh, data out there and metrics. Is there, are, are you, is trainer road working with any other of these, uh, developers who are, who are creating all this new con or new data to integrate that into adaptive training in the future? You know, we, we talked about, um, HRV and that, but I'm thinking, you know, continuous glucose monitoring and, and all those sorts of. Uh, extra metrics that are available now? Yeah. So what we want to do is kind of get the, the low hanging fruit of everything that has open APIs, right? So scales, easy, um, uh, sleep tracking steps, those sort of things first. And then we want to move into more of the ones we have to partnership with companies and get HRV data or something like that. And then what you asked about is very interesting is there are all these new devices to measure stuff, but they don't have much um, 
they're not really huge in the market, right? So like heart rate monitors, everyone has a heart rate monitor, but how many people have continuous glucose monitors that they use while they train? Very, very small percentage. And a question for us will be, uh, unless there's huge impact, it's, it's like, it's kind of a chicken and the egg. Should we support this thing and try to bring it in? Will there be enough data? Um, mm -hmm. And that's going to be on case by case ba basis, but there's still probably so many other things that we can do just based mm -hmm. on stuff that everybody has and kind of optimize that before we get to the, the nitty gritty of some things that don't have mass market acceptance yet. I'm, I'm probably thinking, you know, years down the line, I'm sort of excited to see where, where this can go in the future and, and how much of a, how much of the part of the coaching role I don't like this can do for me. <laughs> right. Right. And so it, this is a good question for you. This is the, here's what I believe in 20 years, like, so the iPhone's only been out for like 13 years or something, right? 20 years, you'll probably dial up internet 20 years from now. Do you think humans will, will pick workouts for people? Well, uh, I, I would have said yes before I just spoke to you for the last half hour. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, and I, I've yet to try adaptive training and, and I, I can't comment on, you know, how, how it works because I, I haven't actually had the chance to try it. But I think what will eventually happen is for the, you know, the upper echelons of the sport, you know, the, the real, the, the Tour de France contenders, the, the World Tour athletes and that, I, I don't think things will change much for, for those athletes and that a coach will still be assigned to the athlete and the athlete will still prescribe the training plan. Um, so from the athlete's point of view, things might not change. But what I think will happen is in the background, the coach will be doing a lot more and, and using um, things like adaptive training to work out what is the best for this athlete today and, and what yeah. is the best for this athlete in, in two months' time. And, and from that point of view, I think that will probably change massively. And I think, you know, for, for, the, for the rest of us um, mere mortals who are, you know, training at homes and are in our pain caves, uh, I think it'll be, for me personally, I don't think the headache out of working at my own training, I'll be able to, you know, have, have much easier to, to read uh, data and metrics and, and be able to just follow up. And hopefully I'll not be as competitive as I am now and I'll be able to just relax <laughs> and enjoy my bike riding. <laughs> I think you'll still be competitive. Uh, yeah, that's exactly, it's kind of like uh, self-driving cars, right? It's hard to imagine now because mm -hmm. we're so new in self-driving cars and they make mistakes. But I believe self-driving cars in 20 years, like our cars probably won't have steering wheels in 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's how good it will get. And that's where the world's going. And I think your analogy of the, or what you said of it being a tool for coaches, I, I think that's where it's going to be in 20 years. Definitely a tool, kind of like a, like a, a hammer, right? It'd be weird to hammer in a nail with your fist. He's like, Hey, I have this hammer. I'm going to use this hammer all the time, but there's still a they're still a carpenter or still a coach, right? Yeah, I, I don't know who said it, but there is an there is an uh, analogy somewhere. If, if if you think you're a hammer, all you can see is nails, uh, or, yeah. or something something to that effect. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's possibly one of the, the best things that uh, this machine learning can can offer in the future. And that you know, at the moment, for a lot of athletes, especially, and you know, for some coaches as well, it's very tempting to do intensity, intensity, intensity all the time. And that does lead to burnout. And, you know, that that's where you're constantly hammering the nail. 
Um, whereas sometimes you just need, you know, a nice uh, screwdriver or something, something a bit more elegant and or a bit a, a bit easier for the athlete. And and if machine learning can can give extra information to the coach prescribing the workout and say, well, actually, you know, we need to dial it back a bit here because we've learned in the past that if we don't X, Y, and Z is going to happen to this athlete. I think there's huge potential in that. And there's you made a good point too. Is one thing with adaptive training with the level system. It's getting the right intensity. Like there's, you could do two different VO2 max workouts. One can smash you for four days and one you can feel pretty good afterwards. So just because it's a VO2 workout doesn't have the same recovery period. But also I, you can do, well, you just did one. You can do an endurance ride and it can smash you, right? It doesn't, just because it's endurance ride or like a level one in polarized does not mean that it has zero recovery. And the question is for you, like I'm sure, uh, the amount of endurance you can do has way less recovery than the amount of endurance that I can do that all that stuff needs to take in consideration in order to be consistent training, build it up, have correct recovery. And that's such a hard thing. If we can nail that, or if anyone can nail that endurance sport is probably going to improve a bunch. If you can really nail recovery and figure out when someone is fresh enough to do that next intense workout and when someone shouldn't. It's uh, one of the last big unknowns, isn't it? Recovery. One of the last. It is. Uh, definitely, we've we've learned so much in the last twenty years, but I think we've still got so much to learn. It's, it's exciting times ahead, I guess. Totally exciting. Very very exciting. So there we have it. Adaptive training from Trainer Road. A slight deviation in our topic of conversation from what we normally have on on the nerd alert podcast but nevertheless one that i thoroughly enjoyed has uh, perked my interest in, in adaptive training and it certainly sounds like it might help myself personally alleviate some of the stress from from planning my own training it's never a great idea to be self-coached i think but yeah it's uh especially the the integration that we discussed there i'll be keen to see if that comes to fruition in in the future Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Nerd Alert podcast. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe or better yet, even leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until then, tell all your friends all about Nerd Alert podcast. And as we say here in Ireland, good luck to you.